This is the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, Episode 3. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm your host, Brett Duncan. I'm joined today by Tanya Austin. Hi. And of course, we're joined today by Chris Fuller. Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks, Brett. We're going to talk about, you know, I say this, I think on the last episode, we talked about one of your favorite topics, but we're going to talk about one of your favorite topics. (laughs) It's all my favorite topics. There we go. Everything's your favorite. We're going to talk about culture. Yeah. And that's one of those words, oh yeah, culture, that feels good, let's talk (laughs) about it. It's, uh, you know, it's certainly very, very, people are very aware of it, needing culture and wanting culture, and hey, what do you know, it does impact the business. Um, But you work with companies at a level to where you get to experience really uh, what separates the men from the boys in a lot of ways in terms of how they think of culture, how they implement sure. culture, how deliberate they are about creating culture, yeah. and how they aren't. So let's just start with uh, you know a simple question. Why are culture and leadership in your mind and, and what you train so linked together? Well, um, you know, Brett, I think that, that initially, you know, when you were saying culture, I started thinking of the difference between a country club culture and a uh, and a and a boat dock culture, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I think are we talking about ascots or are we talking about swimming trunks? So, you know, I'm thinking of the, the culture, maybe from a societal culture aspect of, but it still kind of starts to play because you know, to one degree, that culture is the expectations of those around us, and so even if you think of the ascots and the country club culture, they expect you to approach life a certain way, approach uh, the interactions a certain way, as opposed to, you know, all of us around a boat dock and all of us on a pontoon boat is essentially, you know, just kind of kicking back. So, you know, from, from the culture, if we, if we take that then into the organizational piece, you know, we, we have to focus on, I have a quippy one-liner, you guys are more than well aware of my fullerisms, um, <laughs> and my quippy one-liner for culture is this, leaders create culture. Culture produces results. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a that's great That's really one. strong. So let me say it again. Leaders create the culture, and the culture produces the results. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, so essentially, the way you do business now is your culture. And your culture is getting you the results that you're experiencing right now. So if we have the results we want, fine. The organizations that bring me in essentially are saying, hey, we either don't have the results we want or we want bigger, better, faster results. And so generally speaking, I'm called in for either some major um, team dysfunction. Maybe you know we have a little bit of the, the team is locked up or the team is fighting itself or some, some of that dysfunction. Or they want to achieve more, do more, have more, be more. And so then we're trying to focus on what is it going to take from a behavioral standpoint to adjust our daily practices so that the natural outflow of our daily behaviors is success instead of success is some mythical, mysterious thing that just either appears or doesn't. Yeah, well, and that's what, even in my mind, it's definitely what I've experienced when I was working in corporate America. Uh, culture seems like this magical thing that 
for whatever reason happens at some companies and to be honest very few uh, right excuse me culture happens at every company, every company. right <laughs> a healthy culture yeah. you know versus hey just this is kind of how we are around here and there's nothing we can do about it yeah, yeah. Um, so you're saying the leader's primary role is to create influence and, and make that culture the way it needs to be yeah man Brett I'm, I'm so passionate about this right now it, it's not even funny I was with a group on Monday and I was talking about what if we made it this the team's responsibility is daily ops. The leader's responsibility is strategic, vision, future, and culture. Hmm. Now, if, if we just let these amazing teams, we build them, we equip them, we empower them, we cut them loose. They're just these awesome teams that are getting it done. They're responsible for the daily ops. Us as leaders, we take that step back and go, how do we equip and empower? How do we, how do we support? How do we do all these things that then keeps the team operating at its highest level of efficiency effectiveness and within that that essentially is culture in in sort of its root definition hmm. the beliefs and the behaviors of the collective is the culture okay so do you like the collective beliefs and behaviors of your team or do you feel like we could believe and behave in a different way that would give us differing results so what does that look like practically on an organizational level, uh, this, these shared beliefs and behaviors? Yeah, so, um, so every person has expectations when they join the company, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Brett, Tanya, you guys walk into an organization, you're first in, and you have these expectations. I hope it will be collaborative. I hope I can contribute. So you come in with a lot of these hopes and dreams and expectations, but the moment that you walk through that door and you sit down at your desk the first day or you, you're into your, um, your functional group that very first day, all of a sudden your reality meets up with your expectation. Now, when reality meets expectation, when experience meets expectation, we either have fulfillment or frustration. Mm. So now then as a culture, we start to learn what's acceptable on a daily basis, not by what the posters on the wall tell us, but why the coworkers are acting, how the coworkers are interfacing with us, how we're being led. And all of a sudden, then we jump into that, if you will, think about a major interstate and all the traffic that's flowing on there and we're just coming in. Well, all of a sudden we're kind of taught about how everybody else around us is going to drive and then we start driving in very similar ways. So in that, in that onboarding and that mm -hmm. on-ramping into the collective behaviors of the organization, we actually teach people how to operate here. Now here's the scary thing. How many of us have jumped into ineffective cultures? How many of us have jumped into dysfunctional cultures where we're taught right away that you need to copy everybody on the email because you're going to be hung out to dry. You've got to cover your backside at all times. When the leader says he wants collaboration and opinion, what he really wants you to do, what she really wants you to do is be quiet and do what I say. So all of these things sort of contribute to how we are able to operate within the organization and ultimately that becomes this collectivism and that collectivism is the culture. Mm. You know, it's reminded me of a story I once heard it was actually at church and they were, I don't know that he used the word culture, but he was talking about culture. Sure. And he was using the, the idea of, you know, well, in our family, 
this is what we do. Yeah. And of course he applied that. We took that home and looking at our little boy and, you know, I, I mean, it was within that week, you know, we talked to him about, well, in our family, this is what we do. In our family, we don't say this. You know, or things like that. Well, sure enough, a neighbor comes up and says one of those things. Right. And just instinctively, he goes, well, in my family, we don't say that. <laughs> and it became like this aha. And hearing you now, I hadn't thought about it until this moment. But that's culture, right? We were establishing our family culture. And regard, you might do things that way, and that's what you do. But in our family, yeah. this is what we do. You know, raising teenage boys, you know, there are a handful of times where you have those conversations with some boys at times. And you say... Well, that's that behavior, right? You're talking about acceptable behavior. Yeah. And, you know, at times, you know, I joke about, uh, you know, telling my boys that's not what a fuller does. Yeah. So, you know, when you're really that serious about your family culture, but then you're that serious about your organizational culture, you know, uh, again, joking with the boys, uh, I say, you know, um, so you have two options. That behavior isn't what our name wants. I, you only get one shot at a good name, exactly. right? And so even the collective beliefs of our employees, the opinion, I mean, all you gotta do is go on the glass door and can you hear the opinions of the people that work for your organization? It's your brand. So for me, the fuller name, this family brand, you know, I'm from that, 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 that mindset that your name has to be gold, mm-hmm. better my, be gold. My grandfather used to always say, all I have is my good name, pass it on. And I used to think that was so, so, just so simpleton. Yeah. You know, because I didn't really understand what he was saying until I did understand it was the same thing. This is who we are. And he, it was always when he said that, he was always teaching us a lesson of some kind. But I didn't realize it till I got a little bit older that um, how significant that simple statement really was. So I, I, you know, being intense, you know, and and, and just being able to tell the boys, so you got two options, (laughs) change the behavior or change your last name. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And, And I wouldn't have loved him any less. I just didn't want that behavior associated with a fuller, right? So imagine this within our organizations that we hold ourselves to such high standards and such high account, knowing that all we have is our organizational brand. And within the marketplace, if your brand isn't one or two, right? It kind of goes back to that old GE mindset. Mm-hmm. We either want to be number one or number two in the segment or we want, we want out. Right. Well, I mean, think about that from an organizational standpoint. Now, what I know is your people, your talent leaves every day at five o'clock. Mm. The question is, how many of them return at 8 the next morning? Mm -hmm. The culture determines even your competitive advantage for talent. Now, here's a scary statement. The best of the best can do what they do anywhere. Why should they do it for you? Mm. Wow. My culture, the way that we operate our business is and does attract the top talent from all over the world to contribute their lives and their best right here. So when I look at that, if I'm going to gain competitive advantage, I have to have awesome people that serve their uh, customers and clients in an awesome way. Well, how do I make sure that I have top talent? I create a work environment that is the best of what I call the collaboration of the and, right? You have these cultures that are highly results focused and we're just gonna churn and burn. And then you have these 
you know, um, I don't want to call them good old boy cultures, but you have these re relationship cultures where everybody is whatever, right? It's so funny. I, I, I travel the world and, and people go, well, where's your Texas accent? And I say, well, you know, you guys probably wouldn't talk to me if I talked about leadership and teamwork. And so, um, so really, I've tried to drop the accent as I'm all over the world. But it's kind of funny because we do talk about being Texas friendly, right? Absolutely. Um, well, they have a term up in Minnesota, and as I was training, they called it Minnesota nice, <laughs> which essentially means we are passive aggressive. We don't confront. Hmm. And I thought... That's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem with that is when we need to have some honest conversations right. and we're not really having them. Mm -hmm. Well, we need to develop a culture that's not just Texas friendly, that's not Minnesota nice. It's both. It's this and culture where we are collaborating to achieve amazing results and we actually like working with each other. And how we operate on a daily basis either contributes or refutes that type of a culture. Mm -hmm. So overall in the, in the culture, I know you asked that question, what, six minutes ago now? But, uh, <laughs> so you can tell that this is a passion of mine, but that, that's really what we're trying to build. What is the norming behaviors and, and how many times have we worked for organizations where they didn't have an intentional culture strategy? It's just what's happened the last 30 years that became the accepted norm, yeah, which is the culture. You know, it reminds me, when you're talking about all of that, Chris, it reminds me of something that we used to say at a company I was with in my 20s, um, and it was some people quit and stay, and some people quit and leave. Yeah. And I think so often, nowadays, so many people quit and stay, and it's because of the culture yeah and um, there's so much that we can do to change that mindset so that people want to stay and that they're productive staying um, and so who's that, who's, that stay. who's that on who's that on that's what that's where I hang that exactly on the leader's Absolutely. neck and so I say leader uh, sir ma'am you have to lead your team in a way that you unlock that want to and if they've quit and stayed, now that quit and stay, there's a Gallup survey on that, and they survey employee engagement a lot. And so part of our culture conversation, Brett, comes into even the, uh, the statistical data from Gallup that says only 30% on average of your employees are actively engaged. Mm. Wow. 50% are sort of in and out, and the other 20% are actively disengaged. Well, the actively disengaged, those, Tanya, that have quit and stayed, they don't even pay for themselves. They only return 60% of their compensation back to the organization in value. Wow. So they're not working for you. They're actually working against you. Yeah. And so the, yeah, the, the financial consequences that Gallup has quoted on this, that if you take everybody, you take the employment statistics for the United States and you add all of that up, and you only return the 60% value for that bottom 20%, it costs the United States economy 450, are you ready? Billion dollars. Really? Whoa, that's a big number. <laughs> so what if we could unlock half of that? Right. What if we could 
you know, and, and, and again, the statistics show 70% of an employee's job satisfaction is their immediate boss. Mm-hmm. So 70% of the 20 that's quit, it's because their boss that they've quit. Mm. So if we can make better leaders, we can unlock half of that right off the bat, I believe. And that's a couple hundred billion dollars. That'd probably make a pretty good impact on the earnings per share. Absolutely. Well, you know, that also should get the attention of the leader, the more results-driven leader who hears culture and maybe that's frou-frou to them or right. you know, whatever, but it's like, okay, $450 billion, you know, I need to listen up. There's something that we need to do with this and be deliberate. Like you said, it, it, it's very, very few times have I seen a strategic plan of a company and it speaks to culture, right? right? On things, here's how we're going to shape or improve or amplify our culture this year. You know, some of the best organizations, and, and we've worked with them on this, is as you're doing your annualized budget, as you're doing your numbers, as you're putting your forecasts in place, a major part of that is to, to give us a call and let's work on your cultural budget mm. at the same time that you work on your fiscal budget. If you're going to unlock the power of the team and you're going to achieve the fiscal numbers that you've just put out as the stretch goals, then we have to do something different. We have to, you know, we can't just do more faster. You'll, you'll burn everybody out. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is we have to see what within our method of doing business can we enhance so that the natural method of the outflow is these new numbers. You know, something that struck me while we were talking about, uh, you were talking about, hey, this is uh, uh, the fuller name, right? We were talking about names and the branding and, and this is what, not what we do in our family or it is what we do in our family. And it speaks to identity. Yes. Right? And being identity driven versus even rules driven or, or things like that. And I can see where that can be a, a powerful driver when it comes to forming an organizational culture. It's... Um when I hand somebody my business card, right? Um, Brett, when you hand somebody your business card, are your shoulders back? Or are you already apologizing before you hand them the card? Hmm. Culture means I'm giving my life's effort. Am I proud of the company logo that's on the card? Am I proud of my contribution? And there's so many people that that they just go to work and they're just, you know, they, they just do the dailies and they've quit and stayed and it's eight in the gate, baby. And let me clock in, clock out, go home. And in the midst of that, they can't hang, they can't hand their business card out with pride. They can't say, I work for with shoulders back. They're almost already apologizing before they ever get to. And they don't want to, they don't want the conversation that most of us have, which is, hey, what do you do? Right? And yeah. it's kind of funny that, that we lead with that conversation, what do you do? And the vast majority of us aren't proud of our work environments. Um, we're actually burnt out by them, and we're almost, we'd rather have the conversation go somewhere else. Yeah. So what advice do you have on, um, we have leaders listening right now, and this is, this is scratching where they itch, right? They are they're hearing, this makes sense to me. Leaders create the culture, culture produces the results what in the world do I do now? And obviously we could spend hours and hours talking about that, yeah, but bet. what are some first steps, at least between now and the next episode they listen to, <laughs> uh, what are some things that someone could do right now uh, to, to really start moving the needle? You know, I think immediately it's diagnose. You have to have a baseline of where you're at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, any great destination starts with knowing where you are. 
So I'd say immediately um, put together some level of survey. Um, and, and we really recommend some level of anonymous survey. <laughs> it doesn't help to ask your employees their opinion and then um, you know, essentially pay them back through punishment for their opinion. Right. Right. So there's no way we, we, we can't have retribution right. for opinion. It's so funny. Our, a company I worked with one day had a big town hall, right? And yeah. It's like someone we'd done this big anonymous survey and got up there and the company had been going through some tough times like companies do. And uh, so the person that got up there sharing the results. I mean, scolded us. Yeah, it's like I want you to know we work hard and we're trying to make this work and all this and everyone just like. So what you're really telling us is you really don't want our input. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and companies spend millions of dollars every year surveying their opinion and then arguing with their employees about their experience. Right. My opinion is based on my experience, and again, that comes back to how we're operating. So number one. Yeah. Find a way to anonymously, or um, I tell you, one of the scariest ways is to just try to sit in the corner and listen to the chatter in the halls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The chatter in the halls will tell you just about everything you need to know about your organization. Is there life? Is there energy? Right. Is there enthusiasm? Is there encouragement? Are there attaboys? Or is the talk much more defeated, much more down, much more lifeless? And so um, through surveys or through just starting to listen, open it up in, in a town hall if you can and just really ask people what their daily life is like. Mm -hmm. Then as we start to, to do, you know, one of the next components after assessment is identifying or deciding the culture you want. Mm -hmm. What culture do I have? What culture do I want? And then let's talk about ways to get from A to B. Well, and that's uh, having clarity there. Obviously, I, what does it mean to be a fuller? Right. You, you need to know that beforehand, right? Or yeah. else something pops up and you're like, maybe fullers do that. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I, companies do that on a very regular basis. Right. It, it, maybe we do that here at this company. I'm not for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, think about the difference between if you said, hey, I work for GE. What's that look like? Mm -hmm. I work for... Zappos, what's that look like? I work for Amazon, I work with Google. I mean, think about the expectations and the differentiations between IBM Blue and Google. Mm -hmm. And what do you expect employee um, interaction to look like at Google versus a, an IBM, a GE, an, et cetera? Right. You know, going back to the survey, because I think a lot of people will take that if they haven't done it before, um, or let's say they have done it before. I've done it before. Yeah. I didn't really know what good results. I didn't know what to do with those results, though. I didn't know how to decipher sure. them. Sure. So what am I looking for? Yeah. Well, um, you're looking for pattern recognition. I mean, if one person says it, um, it's an anomaly. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time three to five to seven people say it, it's a pattern. Yeah. So what I'm looking for is not the anomaly, not the occasional person that is just unhappy, right? And they're looking for an opportunity to find a way to pay management back by putting some negative things on the survey. But, but uh, literally looking for patterns, we're looking for um, two, a couple things. Number one, we're looking for process. So we're trying to understand the systemic, what's in the system, what's in the process, what's permeating the organization. Um, but I gotta tell you, Brett, with some of the things you're gonna effervesce is you're gonna find that there are some leaders that their team rate them. So I think that as you have some level of an identifier, 
mm. um, where you can identify where they're contributing from, then I think that there may be some leaders that need some growth patterns put in place to help them be better leaders, better connected, et cetera. Do you ever see, uh, of course it's anonymous, but maybe there's ways to track it sometimes on, people in one department see things completely different than people in another department, and oh, you obviously bet. They're, they're led by different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that's a key to really focus in on that, um, because that is gonna tell us you know, which leaders uh, resonate more with their team. And which leaders don't. Yeah. And and, and you know what that that happens. And sure. so um, uh, different different leaders have different styles. And there's a there's a myriad of opportunities to to focus on that. But the first piece is, what do we have, and what do we want it to be, and then you know then we can work on collaborating to get to get you there. Well, those are two excellent points. And uh, Tanya, I'm going to put you on the spot. I know you've actually worked with a lot of companies on uh, on, on culture. So. What have you seen as far as really the, the obstacles or the challenges that most companies deal with when it comes to they at least say, I want to do something about our culture and actually making something happen? Well, I think the first thing that has to really happen is it has to be from the top down. You can't expect change from people um, if you're not willing to change. And I think a lot of times what happens is that they um, leadership can push the responsibility down further than people have the authority to even make the change. Yeah, that's right. And so I think that's that's part of it. And then I think beyond it, I think that leaders need to be equipped. Um, Chris said something really significant earlier when he was talking about the team um, needed to be the ops, and the more that that happens and the more the leadership gets out of the tactical role of tasks and making yeah. those little things happen and they're they're more bent on the strategy and the leadership role of of making sure the ops happen properly that's another big piece i think to execution and really making the results happen um and really having that pulse on on the team and the people. I think it's really hard, um, Brett, for, uh, and to what Tanya's saying, I think it's really hard for leaders to look two miles down the road when they're in the weeds with their right. people, mm-hmm. right? Right. So the first thing we've got to do is get you out of the weeds. Get them out of the weeds. And, uh, and trust, you have a team for a reason, and you need to equip and empower that team to be amazing, and then as a leader, let's get you to a point where you're able to focus on the big picture. Uh, because here's the scary piece. If you're not focused on the big picture, who is? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I would have to assume those people that you're leading want you to focus on the big picture as much as possible. Absolutely. Why? Because they want to trust that you have their future in mind, mm-hmm. not just the next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, but as Tanya said, I don't, I don't think there's a bigger key to it than it. there has to be engagement at every level of leadership. Mm-hmm. You can't delegate it and just kind of dictate change, change out the posters on the wall and expect mm-hmm. everybody to behave different. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to be able to have a cascaded effort with full involvement of leaders at every level to uh, to work on a change management set of culture. Mm. Well, that's really good. and, and uh, certainly had me thinking of culture differently as we were talking these last uh, almost 30 minutes. Uh, so thank you again. We're going to be touching on this much more sure. in, in future episodes. But uh, 
you know, if you're interested in learning more about culture and what you can do to influence it where you are and whatever leadership level you are at, obviously check everything that Chris and the team are, is doing at influenceleadership.com. Uh, subscribe to anything that you can subscribe to. Subscribe <laughs> to the podcast. Subscribe to the newsletter. Um, be sure to connect with us uh, on social media. And, and send us your input, your, uh, your ideas. What topics would you like for us to cover in future episodes? We are certainly open to that. So, Chris, Tanya, thank you for the time. Thank you, yeah, Brett. Great talk. That was. And until next time, this is the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today for this episode of the Influence Leadership Podcast. We hope you got a lot out of it. And as we mentioned, definitely go to influenceleadership.com. There's all kinds of ways you can connect with us. First, by email, if you have ideas or input on the show, we'd love to get that directly. And that is at info at influenceleadership.com. Again, that's info at influenceleadership.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook and on social media. If you want to connect with us on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash Influence Leadership, and you'll find us there. And also when you go to the website, again, influenceleadership.com, a lot of what we've talked about already and a lot of what Chris does is uh, keynote presentations and trainings. Uh, And so if you want to learn more about that, if you want to learn more about what Chris offers, or if you even want to watch a video of uh, excerpts of some of his keynote presentations, they're they're amazing. I personally love them and watch them often. I definitely encourage you to do that. You can do it at influenceleadership.com and click on the keynotes tab in the main navigation. That'll take you to all that information. So again, thanks for joining us. Can't wait to see you again on the next episode of the Influence Leadership Podcast.